scripture this morning is um, from the Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. Verses 1 through 5 are going to be in an amplified version uh, known as the message written by Eugene Peterson. Donna will read, and I will pick up with verses 6 through 8. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? We have different gifts according to the grace of God given to each of us. If it is in prophesying, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is to give encouragement, then encourage. If it is to give then give generously. If it is in leading, lead with diligence. And if it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. A week ago, Saturday night, my wife and I were at a football game with uh, uh, one of my sons and his wives. And we had a pretty good view of the, of the sideline. And, and we watched uh, as something unfolded before us. And if you're familiar with college football today, you know that the name of the game is tempo. And, and you try to run a lot of plays and you try to tire out the defense. And we could see at this particular stretch of the, of the game, it was working uh, against our team. We watched one of the linemen on defense who probably weighed at least 350 pounds, hugging and chugging, you know, huffing and puffing and barely crossed the line uh, before the next play started. And I thought about that old joke about what football is. Football is a game played where there are 90,000 people in the stands desperately in need of exercise and 22 people on the field desperately in need of rest. And I've seen that. 
And I think sometimes it's also true of the body of Christ in the church. We, we come into the world with so many challenges and so many difficulties, but it seems sometimes that fewer people are involved in that game that God has for them than perhaps ought to be involved. And uh, when we think of our world, it's certainly a world where there are a lot of challenges. Harvard's Rosabeth Moss Cantor in the business school said some years ago that there are too many problems in this world and too few geniuses to just leave the solutions in the hands of a few people. The problems are great. We've seen that this week from terrorism to racial injustice and poverty to people to loneliness to people who do not understand their identity is unconditionally loved by God and Christ. We see all the struggle There's lots to be done, and yet sometimes we look around and maybe not enough people involved in doing it. Maybe it's time to flip the field, and rather than having a field where only 22 are on it, maybe we need the field where 90,000 are on it. That field is called the church. You see, Paul was no stranger to the kind of problems we have in our day. They had terrorism. There were Roman soldiers and Jews who were knifed to death every single day in Galilee and Jerusalem in in the uncertain times in which they lived. And in fact, a few years after Paul writes the Romans, war will break out between the Romans and the Jews. And in reality, more Jews will be killed by Jews than will be killed by Romans. So you have brother-on-brother violence, you have a Roman violence against the Jews, you have problems with Jews and Christians, you have, pro- you have poverty, you have prejudice, uh, you have paganism running rampant. And then Paul's response to all of this is to write the church in the capital of the world, Rome, and basically this is what he says, get in the game. We need you, says Paul. And so Romans 12 is an urgent plea. From a leader to the church saying the problems are so many and the geniuses so few, we need you in the game. And so Paul encourages them to get in that game. And I think sometimes when I think about the game uh, that God has, which is this wonderful plan to make the world as God intended, and I don't see as many people involved as I would like, I realize the problem is not that people don't care or that they don't want to participate in this game, but sometimes they're not really sure where the field is or what the position is that they're supposed to play in this game. And it's really that we get overwhelmed by challenges and problems because we do care. It almost paralyzes us and we don't really know where and how to make our first move. I'm reminded of the secret of the lion tamer. You're probably familiar with the fact the lion tamer walks in to the ring with a lion with only a whip and a stool. And I'm like, what? But apparently it works like this, that the four legs on the stool, when they're thrust in front of the lion, he doesn't know which one to go after. And so the fact that he's got four different points freezes him, and he's not able to make an effective response. And I think sometimes we're like that in the world. So many problems. Where do we even start? Well, here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to give you just three hints on getting in this game that God has, and the game is called making the earth the way God intended it to be for people and that they come to know they're loved by Jesus. That's the game. I think, I think Paul wants us in the game. I think God wants us in the game. I'm going to give you three hints about getting in the game. Two are from Paul. One is my own. Let's start with Paul. I think Paul says if you want to find your place in the game, if you want to find your position on the field, then the first thing is you need to think 
You, you, you need to use your mind. Now, in a version that I used this morning, but not Donna, uh, she used the expanded version. It says this, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Uh, you may remember in the version Donna used, it said, you know, don't easily fit into the world. You, you need to think about how you fit in. And one of the ways you think about that is to think, well, what has God given me? What are the talents God's given me that I can bring to bear on some of the issues in the world? What are those talents? What are those gifts? Because Paul assures them that everybody has got gifts, more than one, more than likely. As it was said years ago, all of God's children don't have shoes or maybe even enough food to eat, but all of God's children have talents and gifts to bring to this game of life. And so begin to think about it. Now, here's a caution, though. The gift I see most often when people start to think about this that shows up is the gift of humility. I mean, have you ever seen it? You ask them if they could help, and they go, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I wouldn't be good at that. Oh, I could never. And we tend to underestimate the Spirit's giving talent and ability to us. So one of the things I'd warn you about is just let's throw out humility for a moment. Paul says in the NIV, think with sober judgment. In other words, think about this. God's given you a gift. Now, what is it? Don't tell me you don't have one. Think about what it is, I believe is what Paul is saying. The other gift I think I'd I'd warn you about is a gift that shows up in my life, and that's called perfectionism. Which is, if I can't get in there and do everything and get it all exactly right, then I'm not getting in there. If I don't have the answer to world poverty, then I'm probably not going to stick my toe in that issue. Uh, and we have to be careful about that. The, the Jews had a wonderful teaching that was around even by Jesus' day. Uh, recognizing all the problems that we have, the rabbis taught, it is not your job to finish the work. Basically, the work that God started of fixing the world is what he means. It's not your job to finish the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. So even if you cannot nail it perfectly, we are called upon by God to take the gift we have and get in it, regardless of whether we can control the results. Frankly, you and I are not in charge of outcomes. We've deceived ourselves as Westerners. We think there's a formula that fixes most any situation. Sometimes the formula is simply God saying, get in there, bring what you have. And it may not be perfect, probably won't be perfect. So the first thing is use your mind and think, what has God given me? Second thing, this is not from Paul. This is from me. And that is, I think you need to consult your heart. When you're thinking about where you want to get in the game in the world, you can think about what is it that I'm concerned about? If there's any issue in my world that I could, if I could fix it, I would love to be a part of that solution. What would it be? Or another way, think about what is it I love to do? So I, cons- I invite you to consult yourself in a couple ways. Number one, look at yourself and say, have, have I gone through any hurts in life that God has brought me through? Uh, Rick Warren used to say years ago, God never wastes a hurt. Maybe the area in the world where God needs you is something you went through. And God brought you through it, a fire, a trial, and now you're drawn to other people who have the same issue. Uh, some of you, but not enough, have read the book that I wrote last year called Accidental Herod. Well, that's all right. It wasn't for you anyway. Uh, it was written for pastors, basically, and I just used you to support it. Thank you. Pay for it. Um, but it came out of my own life that about 10 years ago, I woke up one morning and I didn't want to come here anymore. 
I, I, I had just flamed out. And as God brought me through that with your help and to help the Spirit, it became important to me then to start to reach out to other pastors who might be on the verge of that sort of thing. And so uh, a, a significant amount of my time, truthfully, over the last 10 years has been in that uh, direction. And so God has taken something that was a pain in my life and used it to direct me to something I could do to be a part of the game in the world. But for others of you, it won't be about a hurt. It'll be about a great joy. What is it you love to do that you're really good at? And when you do it, you feel better and people around you feel better. Maybe it is a place of deep joy for you. Uh, Frederick Buechner used to say, how do you know your place in the world? He said, you look for the intersection of two things, your deep joy and the world's deep need. Is there something you love to do and you're really good at it? And it matches up perfectly with an issue or problem in the world. And you put those two things together. Problem gets addressed and you come alive. As John Eldridge passed on the advice one time from a counselor who said, do whatever it is that makes you fully alive because what the world needs more than anything else are people who are fully alive. That's a witness to the love and power of Christ when they see you operating on all cylinders with great joy. So for you, it may be not so much what hurt have I been through, but what really, what really excites me? What, what do I do that when I do it, I get deep satisfaction? And uh, you bring that to the situation. Again, I need to give you a caution. Uh, be careful. You need to understand that, this, that God's game is a team sport. It's not just whatever you bring to it. It's what you bring to it with other people. Because other than that, you will find yourself becoming over-responsible. And rather than helping address the issue, you'll just be another victim of that issue, uh, if, if that makes sense. God wired us to do these things together. My colleague Matt Scott gently points out to me that, that the, one of the issues that I have in life is that I played tennis in college. And so it's true. Believe me, I would have much rather play basketball, but I was about a foot short and a lot slow. Uh, but in tennis, you're responsible for every ball, every shot. It's all on you. And so I tend to become over-responsible for whatever the issues are that I face in life, rather than to see myself as part of a larger team addressing an issue. I've heard that Mother Teresa once said, I can do things that you cannot do, and you can do things that I cannot do, and together we can do great things. This game that God has us in, of restoring the world as God intends, is a team sport. And so be careful that your mind and your heart don't lead you in a direction where you're out there all by yourself. So consult your mind. What has God given you? What talents has God put uh, around you? Consult your heart. Where could you make a difference? Where do you want to make a difference? And then find a group of people who are doing that and jump in and join them. The third piece of advice, and this is from Paul, he says, look, if your gift is leading, lead. If it's giving, give. If it's serving, serve. Basically, he says, you've used your mind and your heart, now use your feet. Get into it. That we don't fully know our gifts until we actually try them out. And I think when we're in community using our gifts, we learn not only more about the situation and the problem, but we learn a lot more about ourselves. And so I'd invite you to jump in. When Franklin Delano Roosevelt took the helm of the country at the height of the, de of the Depression, he said the thing that kept running through his mind was just do something. 
Try something. Now, some of what he tried got overruled. Some of what he tried didn't last. Some of what he tried last, and some people like it, some don't. But he did something. He didn't get frozen by the stool. He knew where to make a leap, and he made one. We have to somehow jump in and join the game. Now, if you're thinking about that, here's a couple of cautions. Number one is it doesn't have to be in Africa. Doesn't have to be in India. Doesn't have to be in Mexico. It could be as close as next door where God has put the need that you in community can address with your talents and your heart. That's the first thing. And the second thing, as you think about that, is you don't have to jump in with the solution. You have to jump in with your presence. In fact, some people don't want your solution to their problem until you've heard from them accurately about where they are and what the problem really is. Sometimes we, we come up with an idea of what we think uh, the issue is and we go set off on our white horse to, to change it. And the people that, we're, that we think have the issue, what we're bringing is not what will address the situation. But your presence will always address the situation. This is one of those deals. This game, you have to be present to win. You show up, join up, come to know the situation, and then in community come to figure out with the people who have the need what the appropriate solutions might be. You have to use your head, your heart, your feet. So where do you go from here? Two suggestions this morning. Number one, There'll be people available to pray with you this morning if you want someone uh, to pray with you. The Holy Spirit might not only fill you, but also reveal to you uh, what your particular gift is or where your heart is leading you. And the second one is this, or you can in addition or instead also go out this door, turn into the atrium and parlor, and you will find 20 different ministries and missions that you can, you can jump in and get involved today and find out if that's the community and if that's the issue that you want to address, and I assure you, you can do it. I know you can because I've done it. And, well, let me tell you about myself. Um, Friday, I went to Fredericksburg with my wife, and uh, we started by going to Enchanted Rock. So, you know, about 15 miles from Fredericksburg. So we climbed to the top of Enchanted Rock, and we take the requisite selfie to uh, let our children know we we're still alive and we made it. And then we're on our way down. Going down Enchanted Rock from the top. And there's a couple coming our direction. I don't know how old they were. I'm going to say they were probably 15, maybe 20 years younger. I don't know. They look at us. We greet them. They greet us. And they go about 10 feet past us. But what you need to know is the wind is blowing our direction. So we are able to hear the husband say to his wife, See, I told you, lots of old people make it up to Enchanted Rock. I'm old. I made it. And I made it in community. There are bigger and badder badder challenges out there for us. And together, we can make it.